0: If you have your Bibles, and you would, find 2 Samuel chapter 13. As you're finding that today, I want to talk to you about the danger of unforgiveness. The danger of unforgiveness. Uh, Unforgiveness is something that all of us struggle with. And it is something that all of us would say that we don't struggle with. Uh, You could probably say in your life, it's things like this. Well, I will forgive, but I will never forget. Or, I forgive them, but uh, I'm just going to avoid them for the rest of my life. Uh, Forgiveness is something that we as believers experience uh, through Christ. And it's what separates the Christian faith from anything. The fact that we have a God who loved us so much that He sent His only begotten Son to come into this world perfect and unblemished, To live a life of perfection and to die, not for His own sins, but for ours. And that when we ask for forgiveness, He forgives us for all of our sins. And He doesn't forgive us just a little bit at a time. He forgives all of them immediately. And that's wonderful. And we celebrate that. And we sing songs about that. And we worship Him for that. But then when we hear Him say forgive others as I have forgiven you, we think, well, I'm not Jesus. That's our response, right? I'm not Him. But yet He tells us that we are to love like He loves. And we know that none of us are perfect and all of us struggle with it. But today I want to talk to you about the danger of unforgiveness. Now, maybe you're sitting here today and you say, Jake, I know what the danger of unforgiveness can do. I didn't forgive and it spread and it has ruined relationships. Maybe today you're saying, Jake, you just don't know the pain of what I've been through. And I think it's important to remember where we have been and what has happened. And as you remember last week with Tamar and Amnon and her brother Absalom and all that had gone on, was horrific, it was awful, it was terrible. It was a pain that no one should have to go through. But we saw last week that nothing happened. Everything just faded away in the moment. And when we pick back up here today, we two years have passed. And if you would stand with me, I want to read a verse from the book of Ephesians today. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. The Bible says, And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. I want to read that one more time. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Pray with me this morning. Father, I come to you, Lord, totally inadequate and totally, totally unable to do what you've asked me to do today. Father, I pray for your forgiveness. Lord, I pray that you would work today in spite of me. Lord, I pray for this place. Lord, I pray for the people that are represented here today. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do what only he could do to search the most secret and hidden parts of our heart and life. Lord, of the pain and the difficulties that we won't even speak about. Lord, I pray that today you would work and move and change hearts. God, that you would change this place that what has happened does not have to define. Who we are. And so, Lord, I thank you for all that you do and who you are. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, I want to just take you through the dangers of unforgiveness and um, just really show you that what others have struggled with, you don't have to struggle with. The pain that others have allowed to go on in their life doesn't have to be what goes on in yours. And the problem when we talk about forgiveness is all of us think, this won't happen to me. This can't happen to me. Sometimes we say things like, well, I'm just too stubborn and I'm just too difficult to be hurt. Or other times we think, well, I, well I'm just so hurt that, that I, can, I can never. And both of those are wrong. Because in the right circumstances and in the right people, things can happen that we never thought could. We can be betrayed by people who we never thought we could be betrayed by. We can be hurt by people we never thought we would be hurt by. We can go through things that we never thought could happen to us. And those things are what happened to us, but they are not what defines us. And so today I pray that you will just hear these three warnings about the danger of unforgiveness. First thing I want to show you if you're taking notes this morning is unforgiveness does not fade away or diminish on its own. Unforgiveness does not fade away or diminish on its own. You've probably heard the saying that time heals all wounds. Now, if you cut your hand off, I want you just to stay at home, don't get medical treatment, and see if time heals all wounds. No, you will literally bleed to death. Well, maybe you say, well, Jake, uh, my blood sugar's messed up and uh, I can't get it under control. I think I'll just wait it out and see. Well, no, if you've ever been with someone that struggles with diabetes, no, that does not work. You can't just wait and see. But with unforgiveness, that's usually how we try to deal with it. I'm hurt today, but give me time and I will get over it. Or I know I've been hurt today, but just give me my space and I can work through it. Now I know those are wonderful sayings and you've probably even seen them on some pretty plaque in somebody's house, but they are unscriptural. The only way that unforgiveness gets dealt with is when you meet someone who is able to forgive you. When someone who is able to say the hurt and the pain that you are going through does not have to define who you are. That's the wonderful thing about forgiveness. When I came to Jesus and asked Him for forgiveness, He forgave everything, all of them. The Bible says as far as the East is from the West, He not only forgave, but He forgot. But yet when it's me that has been wronged, when it's me that has been hurt, forgiveness needs to come in stages, is what I tell myself. They've got to earn my forgiveness. They've got to suffer for their mistake. They've got to deal with themselves before I will forgive them. Now, this morning, you can look at me like you are a deer in a headlight. You can look at me like you don't struggle with this. But God knows our hearts. And so let's see here what is going on that shows us that unforgiveness doesn't fade away. And it came to pass, starting in verse 23, after two full years that Absalom had sheep shearers in Baal Hazar, which is near Ephraim. So Absalom invited all the king's sons. Then Absalom came to the king and said, Kindly note, your servant has sheep shearers. Please let the king and his servants go with your servant. But the king said to Absalom, No, my son, let us not all go now lest we be a burden to you. Then he urged him, but he would not go. And he blessed him. Then Absalom said, If not, please let my brother Amnon go with us. And the king said to him, Why should he go with you? But Absalom urged him, so he let Amnon and all the king's son go with him. Now, if you remember what happened in the last passage of Scripture and Amnon and what he did to his half-sister, and two years, nothing has happened. Two years, Absalom has stewed, and he has is, he is connived, and he has thought, how can I get my brother back for what he's done? And over that two years, nothing diminished. His hatred, his unforgiveness, his bitterness grew. And what you need to see is that Absalom and his sister were absolutely the victims. They had been wronged. They deserved that there would be justice to be done. The Bible says that Amnon should have faced death for what he did. But King David did not act upon it. You see, the Bible always supports a punishment for a crime. Please do not believe what these people tell you, that the Bible does not talk about law and order and judges and judgment, because the Bible does. What the Bible does say is that vengeance is not ours. There is not a time when we take the law into our own hands. There is not a time when we go out and play judge and jury and executioner. And what had happened was for two years, King David did nothing to his son. He didn't punish him. He didn't correct him. Nothing had happened. And if you're honest today, when someone doesn't get what you think they deserve, it makes you happy, doesn't it? just brings great joy to you. That person who is lazy at work gets a promotion. You're like, oh, praise Jesus. That person who's never worked a day in his life inherits a fortune. You're like, oh, praise Jesus. No, when we feel that someone gets something they don't deserve or someone doesn't get what is bad and we think they deserve, it begins to cause us to stew. You've probably said things like, well, if I was in charge, or if I was God, or if I was making the decisions, and what happens is we begin to think we know better than God. And so Absalom says, Father, I want you to come. I want you to celebrate with us. I want you to bring all of our our family with you. And David, knowing that he he traveled with a large group, says, no, I'm not going to bring all my servants, all my advisors. That's just too much for you to have to feed us and to have to house us. And so because of that, Absalom says, well, will not you send Amnon? And you notice here that David says, well, why do you want him to go? Now, let's be very honest, parents. You know when your kids don't get along. I can tell you when one and six are together, they always get along. Two and three, sometimes they don't get along. Four and five, sometimes don't get along. Three and four get along better than others. And even I can tell when something just don't seem right, right? Somebody's done something, but yet these are adult children. David knows what has happened. He's like, why do you want Amnon? And I don't know what we see here, but it's probably this. As parents, we will overlook the faults of our children even though we know they are wrong. And as a parent, you and I always love our children. Now, there are times when our children disobey us and there has to be separation and we have to correct them. But no matter where you are in life or where your children are, you should love them. And so what happens here is... Absalom has been scheming. But I want to show you something. Even though David did not go, Absalom's plan was already in place. He had already decided, I'm going to murder him. And this is what bothers me the most about this whole passage of Scripture. How many of us have ever seen a family that can't get along? But as long as mom and dad are still living, they make it work. Now this might hit close to home this morning, and I'm sorry I didn't write it, all right? But as long as the matriarch and the patriarch are still alive, the kids can make it work. And even when one of the parents is gone, they can still go together for family Christmas. They can still get together for Easter. And it's tense and it's awkward, but they make it work. Out of respect for who? Mom and dad. But you wait for both of those parents to pass, and watch what happens. They fight over ground. They fight over money. They fight over grandma's favorite dish in the kitchen, right? They, they fight over everything because that respect is gone. But Absalom was so angry and so bitter and had so much unforgiveness that he didn't even care if his dad was there. He had no respect for anyone or anything. And friends, when unforgiveness takes root in your life, there will be no limit to the direction that you will lead yourself astray or myself astray. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, it says it like this, Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, let any root of bitterness spring up, cause trouble, and by this may many become defiled. Bitterness comes from unforgiveness. Why are there so many miserable people in marriages today? Because there's unforgiveness. Whether it was the honeymoon wasn't what you thought it was going to be. Whether the marriage wasn't what you thought it was going to be. That you weren't the same person you were when you got married. Something has happened in the past. And that unforgiveness has set in. And that bitterness comes from you. It doesn't matter what your spouse does. It doesn't matter how hard they try. It doesn't matter how much they go above and beyond and try. It doesn't matter because there's unforgiveness Buried deep down in there. Maybe you children, you were raised by parents that were not there or has made mistakes or or wasn't what you thought they should be. And even to this day, oh, you'll be kind to them, but you would never go above and beyond to love them. There's this bitterness there toward them. And where that comes from is unforgiveness. And the writer of Hebrews says, Be careful. Why does he say, Look carefully? To be careful because unforgiveness happens when you least expect it, and it stays around after you think it's gone. How many of us have ever went into a place and and smelt something? You're like, I don't smell right. You look everywhere, right? I don't smell it. Don't smell it. You cook. You clean. You 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 check the trash, and you you just you just I don't know where that smell is coming from, but it just keeps following me. Everywhere I go, it's just there. And then as you take your boots off and you look down, there's a little nugget right there in your shoes. And you're like, that's it. That is where it was at. It was on me the whole time. Friends, that's how unforgiveness is. We will look everywhere else. It's my wife's fault. It's my neighbor's fault. It's the church's fault. It's the pastor's fault. It's my parents' fault. But what we really need to know, when there's something in our life that's caused us to be bitter, it usually always comes back to unforgiveness. There's something that's happened to me that I won't let go of. There's something that's happened to me that I really won't give to God. And that unforgiveness begins to spread to bitterness second thing I want to show you from this passage of Scripture is that unforgiveness will cause us to seek vengeance and hurt others. Unforgiveness will cause us to seek vengeance and hurt others. Look here in verse 28. Now Absalom had commanded his servants, saying, Watch now when Amnon's heart is merry with wine. And when I say to you, Strike Amnon, then kill him, Do not be afraid. Now you've heard something like this, very similar. King David, when he found out that Bathsheba was pregnant, he brought Uriah home and tried to get him what? Drunk. Because when he was drunk, he wouldn't think quite like he was supposed to think. He would be a little more open to things that he wouldn't be. And because of that, he could get him to do what he wanted. And then when he would not do what he wanted to, David sent by his servant a message to put Uriah at the front. And when the battle is fiercest, pull back. And then when Joab sent to David the report, he said, remind him that if he is angry, that Uriah the Hittite is dead. Where do you think Absalom learned this from his father? Parents, I want to say this this morning. The greatest gift you can give your children is to teach them how to respond when things don't go right, when that person lies about you at work, and you're sitting at the dinner table, and everything in you wants to say that no good scoundrel, I'm telling you what—they are worthless. They are miserable. They—they're they're a terror. Stop. When someone wrongs you at church, when someone hurts you, when things don't go the way that you want them to, in the moments of difficulty are when you can teach your children to forgive, to extend mercy to show grace and kindness. You say, well, Jake, you just don't know my temper. When I get angry and when I get mad and when I lose it, I just lose it. Ain't no stopping me. He who is in you is greater than is in the world. You say, Jake, my language has always been this way and when I get mad, it just comes out. You don't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to because he who is in me is greater than is in the world. I hear this all the time from parents. I just don't know where my kids learned it from. And I'm going to tell you the truth. It's been the hardest thing I've ever ever had to do as a pastor and not say, you, you taught them that. It's like a spinning image of you. But, the you know, I'm just so refined now. I just say, oh, I don't know, had to be from their dad, right? Or whichever parent's not there. But friends, in those moments when your kids see you hurt, when your kids see you wrong, when your kids see you in a place of vulnerability, it's in those moments that you can teach them the truth of God's Word. It's in those moments where you can pour into them how to respond. Absalom's doing the same thing that his father did. Do you ever wonder if David just walked out on that same portico, out on that same balcony and looked down at that same bathing area? And thought about all this that was going on in his family, instead of I just turned around and went back inside. Nathan said, All this is going to happen, David, because you did this. As a parent, I asked myself, What decisions am I making that are helping my children in their relationship with Jesus? And what decisions am I making as a parent that is going to cause them great harm? What do I say? Where do I go? How do I love? How do I speak? How do I do these things to teach them in their moment of difficulty? You see, I want to say this this morning. It is not the church's job to raise your children. It's not the school's job to raise your children. It's not your grandparents' job to raise your children. God gave you your children. They are entrusted to you. And it is your responsibility and my responsibility with my children to teach them the things of God. Not when everything is good, not when everything is going well, but in the moments of the valley, in the moments of great trial and tribulation, I can teach my children the things of God. And so he tells them this be courageous and valiant. Do you notice that? He is telling them we're doing what's right. We're doing what God wants us to do. We're doing righteousness. And how can we honestly be here today? And we probably can all say that when I have been wronged, it doesn't matter what my response is, I'm always right. I am the one that's been wronged. If it's however I choose to respond, I am right. The Bible tells us that there is coming a day when we will all do what is right in our own eyes. Friends, those days are here. And so it goes on and says in this passage of Scripture, So the servants of Absalom did to Amnon as Absalom had commanded. Then all the king's son arose, and each one got on his mule and fled. And it came to pass while they were on the way that news came to David, saying, Absalom has killed all the king's sons, and not one of them is left." So the king arose and tore his garments and lay on the ground, and all his servants stood by with their clothes torn. I don't want you to miss this. All of David's servant, all of David's people think everybody's dead. There are no children left. And they're all weeping and mourning, but I want you to remember this name. Then Jonadab, the son of Shemiah, David's brother answered and said, Let not my lord suppose they have killed all the young men, the king's sons, for only Amnon is dead. For by the command of Absalom this has been determined from the day that he forced his sister Tamar. Now therefore, let not my lord the king take the thing to heart to think that all the king's sons are dead, for only Amnon is dead." Now, if you remember anything about Jonadab, he is the one who told Amnon to trick his sister and force himself upon her. And yet here we find him with the king by his side. He has went from an advisor to the prince to an advisor to the king. How do you think that happened? I want you to notice something. Why is he the only one who knew the events of an event that he was not at? How is he the only one who knew the truth, yet he was miles and miles away? This is what I believe. I believe he had been planning this with Absalom. Friends, you've met people like this. They would do anything to move up the ladder. You've worked with them. You might be married to one. You might go to church with them. It doesn't matter the cost, whatever it takes for them to get ahead. I'm sure Jonadab went to Absalom and said, I can't believe your brother did that. Can you believe he would do something so wicked? He probably went to King David and said, I tried to tell Amnon no. I tried to tell Amnon not to do this. I tried to lead him in the right direction, but he wouldn't listen. And so David has brought him to a place of prominence. And the whole time, now he's scheming with Absalom. Let's get your brother back. Let's let's take him out of the equation. Why do you think he would want that? You think Amnon might have ever said, well, I was going to do it, but then Jonadab convinced me? You see, friends, I want you to see this this morning. I hope that you'll see this because the unforgiveness that Absalom had was played upon and preyed upon by someone else. And friends, when you won't forgive... You can't hide it. You can't hide it from the people you live with. You can't hide it from the people you know. You cannot hide it. And there will be someone in your life that does not love you, that does not care about you, and will want something from you and say, I'm going to use this. I'm going to use this unforgiveness for my advantage. I have pastored long enough to watch people who were genuinely upset be manipulated by other people. It happens in marriages. Just think about how sometimes a grown child can turn two parents against each other. Or a parent can turn two of their children against each other. It's heartbreaking. But that does not happen unless there is something going on in your life that Satan can get a foothold. You need to know that you and I are responsible not for the influences of others on us, but for our hearts. And when I've got unforgiveness towards someone and you know about it, guess what we do when we want something? Can you believe so-and-so? Can you believe so-and-so? Can you believe that, Bob? Did you hear about what Larry did? I, I just can't believe that. I just can't believe it. Didn't he do something to you just that same way? You're saying, wait, I have conversations like that all the time. And it's wrong. But that's how we are when unforgiveness settles whether it's around a dinner table, whether it's around a break room table, whether it's through text messages, whether it's on Facebook, what you need to know is Satan is using someone in your life to take the pain and the suffering that you've been through and is using it to destroy the lives of other people. And There's only one way to stop it, and that's to say, Lord, help me to forgive. Let's see what the Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 12. I knew it was going to be quiet this morning, but that's okay. We're on the right track. In Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 17, Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourself but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Now when we read the verses like I will call upon the name of the Lord and I shall be saved, we believe it. When we read verses about how God puts us in the palm of His hand and nothing can separate us, we believe it. When the Bible says things like God will never leave us nor forsake us, we believe it. But when we read verses where the Bible says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, most of us say, I know God, but I'll help you. I know God, but your timetable is not on my timetable. And have you ever noticed when you read something that you really don't like in Scripture that really hits you where you don't want it to, and it's an area where you're going to argue with God, that the verses that follow it kind of end all the debate that you can have with God? And listen to what comes to the verses after that. And they're not on the screen. I didn't put them on there, but they might. In verse 20 after Romans verse 12. Therefore, they've got them up there for you. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Kind of, kind of throws the uh, wrench into the, well, I don't, I forgive him, but I just won't speak to him. I'll forgive him, but I'll just go the other way when I see him in family dollar. I, I forgive him, but I will never, ever, ever forget. It says here, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. You see, I like that part. Verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Friends, it doesn't matter how many rumors someone spreads about you, you never honor God by spreading them back. No matter how many times someone talks gossip about you, you will never honor God and overcome evil by spreading gossip back. There is never a time when someone strikes you that you will honor God by striking them back. You are to turn the other cheek. You say, Jake, but that's just not my nature. I'm a fixer. I'm a go-getter. I'm tough. I'm involved. I fight my own battles. What God says is you can't hear. When it comes to unforgiveness, when it comes to hurt, when it comes to betrayal, you have to trust that God will fight for you. That God knows your pain. Third and final thing this morning. When we act on our unforgiveness, it causes destruction and division. When we act on our unforgiveness, it causes destruction and division and division. Verse 34, then Absalom fled. And the young man who was keeping watch lifted his eyes and looked. And there many people were coming on the road on the hillside behind him. And Jonadab, there he is, said to the king, look, the king's sons are coming as your servant said, so it is. He's saying, I told you so. I told you I knew what I was talking about. So it was, as soon as he had finished speaking, the king's sons indeed came. And they lifted up their voice and wept. Also the king and all his servants wept very bitterly. But Absalom fled and went to Talmai, the son of Amhud, king of Geshur. And David mourned for his son every day. So Absalom fled and went to Geshur and was there three years. And king David longed to go to Absalom for he had been comforted concerning Amnon because he was dead. You see, what started out as one sinful wicked deed done to Tamar has now spread. Absalom, in his unforgiveness, murdered his brother. And so King David went from one child being broken and hurt to having one child dead to having one child gone to another country with the intent of never seeing him again. And friends, what you and I need to know is, like the old saying goes, if you find yourself in a hole, stop. Right? Sometimes people will say, Jake, I can't believe you can put a shoe that big in your mouth. You and I have been there in our lives and we have just made things worse. How many of you have ever said something you shouldn't said, and while trying to explain it, you went from weird to extremely weird? Right here. I could be like, oh, th- that, is, that is a beautiful dress. It looks like something out of the 80s. And some be like, are you calling me old? No, no. No, it's beautiful. It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful dress. It's, it, it's, it's a different design. It's, it's, it looks great. It, it looks like it used to be a a, 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 a window curtain, but it looks great. Are you saying I'm so big my clothes have to come from window curtains? No, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying I saw it in my grandma's house in the 80s. And, and they're like, oh, so you're saying I bought it at a rummage sale and I can't? No, that's not what I'm saying. And by the time it's over, I'm like, yeah, that's it. I'm extremely weird and creepy. And some of you are going, I've heard you have that conversation before. But friends, when it comes to sin and it comes to unforgiveness, what started as one sinful act that God was going to fight and make right. It begun something that spreads to family and to children and to multiple generations. And friends, we see the destructive power. And today, if you have been wronged, if you have been hurt, God knows your pain. God sees you in the valley. And friends, everything in us says, I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to make it right. And the only thing that happens when we act on our unforgiveness is we make it worse. Friends, what was meant to be an isolated incident has now begun to tear apart a family. Friends, what has been one time in your life could be something that either heals or destroys. Colossians, the third chapter, says it like this. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so also you must do. Now those last two words are very important because it doesn't say ought to do. It doesn't say should do. It says must do. And immediately most of us go to that verse in the book of Matthew. We've all heard it, we've all read it, and it is absolutely true. But it says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I had a lady come up to me one time and she said, Jake, I forgave that person who cut me off in traffic. Does that mean I'm going to heaven? No. This verse does not teach that if you forgive other people, that's what gets you to heaven. The Bible teaches us that you must repent of your sins, call upon the name of the Lord, experience the new birth, and be born into the family of God. What this is saying, though, is if you have experienced forgiveness, you will forgive. If you truly know what it's like to be forgiven by God, even though it might be difficult, even though it might be something you struggle with, that you will forgive. And this is why when I came to Jesus, I came totally broken and totally wicked and totally detestable. I came with every sin that I have ever committed, that I am ever going to commit. All of that shame and regret and brokenness I came with, and He forgave all of it. The Bible says He washed it as white as snow. And there is no amount, no matter what you ever do to me, no matter how many rumors you spread about me, no matter how many sermons I preach that you leave angry, no matter how many times on the ride home you talk about, I'm so sick of hearing about that guy's problems and past and mistakes. It'll never be what I have done wrong to Jesus. Funny story. I'm going to tell this. I don't don't know if I see him or not in here today. But last Sunday I made the uh, comment that I had been arrested a couple times when I was younger, but I didn't add when I was younger. And uh, there was a young lady who's, who's in the fifth grade who was very upset by that. She was thinking I had been arrested recently. And to make it worse, her mother said, well, that's why we take up our tithes and offerings, to pay Jake's legal fees. <laughs> right out there in the lobby. <laughs> and that's just a fun. I don't know why I told you that. It was funny. But, but all of us have a past. And I am thankful that when I came to Jesus, all of it was taken care of. All of the things I'm too embarrassed to ever mention the things I'm too embarrassed to ever share, the things that I would never even utter, all have been forgiven. And because I have experienced that, I really know that. Friends, there's nothing you can do that's greater than that. There's nothing you could ever do to me that is more wrong than what I've done to Jesus. And what Jesus is saying is, because you have been forgiven of all of that, you have to forgive. And if you cannot forgive, it's because you've never truly been forgiven. You've never truly experienced what it means to be saved. What it means to have all of your sin and guilt and shame washed away. Because friends, it doesn't matter what my fiercest enemy says about me. God says something different. It doesn't matter the lies Satan tries to convince me of. God has told me something different. And this morning, my great challenge to you is you can do one of two things. You could say, well, Jake, I've forgiven, but I'm, I'm just, I'm, I've just forgiven, and I'll work the rest out later. You won't. It'll never work itself out. You say, well, Jake, I forgive, but I'll never forget. No, you'll never totally forget, but this is what I have tried to start doing. When I see someone that I struggle with forgiving, and I always tell myself, I forgive everybody. And in my prayer time, and I pray for each and every family that's ever been here, that's here now, that's in the community that has a prayer request, I always pray through them. I'm like, I don't have any, I'm good. But you know, when I realize I probably have a little bit of unforgiveness is when I see somebody and I think, oh, can you believe what they did? And I'm not saying this out loud. I mean, sometimes I am in my car, it's really weird. But anyway, I'm like, can you believe that? I just can't believe they did that or said that or thought that. I just, I just can't believe that. I even get angry because I think people think things from time to time, even though you might not think. And you're like, I'm married. I know what that's like. But uh, and in those moments, God has really been trying to show me, Jake, I don't think you forgive. And so in those moments, instead of saying anything, I try to pray. And it's a very simple prayer. It's a very short prayer. It's Father, bless them. Lord, help them to be who you want them to be. In Jesus' name, amen. And what I have found is even though I think I would like to say something about them or think something about them, it helps me to remember that God loves them, that God died for them, and that I can forgive them if I will let Him work in me. And so today you can say, Jake, I'm fine, I don't have anything. Maybe you're saying, Jake, I'm too good. I don't get hurt. Or maybe you're saying, Jake, I'm so hurt. I can never get over it. Friends, that's a choice you can make. Or you can say, God, I really want to forgive. God, I really want these chains that are holding me down. I want this baggage that I'm carrying. I want this anger that won't go away. God, I need you to take it. And the only way that can happen is through him. You say, well, Jake, I'm this way. I'm going to be this way. I'm going to stay this way. Then look up here. Then don't be surprised if it doesn't get worse. Don't surprise if the mess that you're in doesn't spread. But know this, it doesn't have to if you'll trust him with it all. If you would, bow your heads as we pray. Father, Lord, I know this is not popular. Lord, I know this is not what we want to hear in a culture that teaches us. It's our way, it's our thoughts, it's our feelings, it's get what we can get. But God, today I pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work. God, I pray this morning that you're tearing down the walls of unforgiveness and bitterness and hatred. Lord, even if those reasons were valid today, God, that you would show this congregation starting with me that God, unforgiveness is a poison. Father, thank you for dying for us that we can experience real forgiveness. And Lord, I pray in this place today for anyone that's never truly been saved, never truly experienced that, that today would be the day that they would come and say, Lord, I need you to forgive me and wash all my sins away because you will. But Father, I especially pray for this place today, God, for the unforgiveness that we hide Lord, for the things that we've done that we won't admit that have hurt others. God, that today would be a day that you would tear down the walls, that you would break the shackles and the chains, and that, God, we would experience real forgiveness and real freedom. God, I cannot do that. I cannot say it. God, only you through your power and presence can, and I pray that you will. Father, for whatever need, whatever struggle, whatever hurt is going on in this place, I pray that you will show people this is a safe place, a place they can pray, a place they can seek you, and they will find love and forgiveness and not judgment and condemnation. And God, I just thank you so much. And I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.